1: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us.
0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and member FDIC.
1: These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Chuck on Score North and scorenorth.com.
2: All right. It's conduits of trouble time. Zolged and Scoggins. And you talk about trouble, Chip Scoggins. We're about to stir it up. Because, my God, it's the middle of July. We're getting towards training camp. Ordinarily, this is sort of like the dead period, right? Not much going on. Not this time. Um, We've got Wild. We've got Wolves. We've got Twins, Byron Buxton, contract negotiations. You tell me. I've been talking about this stuff all week. Where would you like to start, Mr. Sports Columnist?
1: Let's put a bow on the the Wild. Let's put a bow on the Wild. Um... Let's do it. I'm writing this for Sunday, Judd. And to me, the lesson that should be taken from this mm-hmm. is not that the per- Parisi suitor um, era ultimately did not deliver on what we thought it would be. That the lesson should be the wild had the guts to go for it. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to be uh, in professional sports and you have a true desire to win, and you're going to go for it. Sometimes, guess what? It's not going to work out the way you want it. And I'm not saying be reckless and just you know don't have a plan or strategy. But I like the. I still like the fact that they went for it.
2: I'm with you totally. Um, and look, th- this is why I have never criticized the decision to sign Josh Donaldson to a big contract. Kirk Cousins. Now, do all of these things work out? And is there a cautionary tale about them? Absolutely. But I'm with you. And look, I think for the rest of my lifetime, July 4th, 2012, will remain the greatest free agency day in the history of this state. Like you signed, you went out and signed two guys to 13-year contracts who were seen as, at that time, the saviors, two of the top players at that time in the league, right, Chip? And that was Mm -hmm. a boring team. That was a boring franchise That team had become, they were no longer selling out. Um, And I do believe that if you went to Craig Leopold and gave him truth serum right now, that you would get two answers. And one is from a hockey standpoint, it didn't work. From a business standpoint, it worked magnificently. So I'm
1: with you. You have to take chances. And I will say, from a hockey standpoint, it didn't work in the fact that they didn't win a championship. But they became regular playoff teams. And, and yes, yeah, that's not – maybe that's, uh, you know, a pat on the back that they don't deserve, but they became relevant again. Yes. And at least, you know, that, that that organization was going nowhere before they came. And so at least it gave you hope. Now, it didn't get the ultimate thing, and that's what you're in the business for is to win championships. And so I guess we can say it failed. But, um, but they did – turn a corner, and become a playoff team. Obviously, the business side of it was slam dunk because they reinvigorated fan base and you started to get sales again. So that part was an absolute win. Um, But I I hope the thing we take away from this is not, well, this was a mistake. They should have never done it. Because I just don't, I mean, as I wrote my column, hindsight is undefeated. Hindsight will never be undefeated, right? You can can always look back and say they shouldn't have done something. But I, I just like the fact that and they saw an opportunity and were bold and went and did it. And you live with the results. And you still try to put pieces around uh, situations that, uh, you know, you bring those two guys and you try to build around them. And so, yeah, you can nitpick that. But I, I would never second guess that knowing what we know now.
2: Well, and I also think that it's a, it's a very interesting thing to look back at now as far as those signings go, Chip, based on this. The reality is it was great fun. Um, the reality also is, and history is filled with this, trying to do what they did through free agency moves isn't necessarily going to result in, in championships. Now, the fact that only resulted in two playoff series wins is disappointing, incredibly disappointing. Sure. Yeah. But, you know, Bill Guerin, I think, now is probably taking the correct path. And it's a path that a team like Tampa Bay, which, by the way, the state of hockey right now is Florida. Uh, Tampa Bay. It has done a magnificent job of building a team. And I think what we're I, for all the complaining that we do about the cheap poll ads and cheap Minnesota teams and they won't do this and they won't do that. If you really take a step back and examine it, the way you build a team when it comes to free agency is to supplement the roster, not try and build yes, it. Yeah. But I'm not going to criticize something that was great fun. And that was great fun, yeah. and it was worth a, a shot. And business wise, it's a home run because if you had if you had told Chuck Fletcher, "Hey, build through the draft," you know what? We're going to build this thing slow. You're right; that team was becoming boring. You sold. In fact, I looked this up this week. Chip within a week of the signings of Parisi and Suter, or the agreements, they sold fifteen hundred season tickets.
1: That's a home run. That that's a home run, and and the thing I like is. It wasn't a carnival act like, like fools gold. Hey, we're just going to do this to try to sell. I mean, I think they learned, you know, they're doing this to try to win a championship. Mm-hmm. They got the two best guys, so it wasn't like they just. It was all about the business. Like now, granted, that was part of it—a big part of it. Hey, we we need to show this fan base that we're serious. Um, but it, it's interesting. Kind of pivot forward, you know. Billy Aaron is <laughs> unafraid of. Making a hard decision that that may not be popular. Yeah, he, he could do the same. Can still dance down the down the court. <laughs> um, but it. But he he definitely puts pressure on himself and the coaching staff because all of all that dead money they have coming down the pike. Oh, that yeah. he even said that we're going to have to rely on some young guys in their development to plug holes because they're just not going to have the cap space that you, because you're gonna be paying two guys to not play for you. Um that's gonna be a real detriment, but I I admire the GM that says, you know what? This is what I believe in. This is I feel like it's the best thing for everything. And you may not like it, but this they pay me to make these decisions and I'm making them. I
2: kinda like that. I love it. And he and there is no question the salary cap implications starting Not this season so much, but certainly next and for what, the next four years after that are going to be absolutely enormous and they're going to be a pain and it's going to be difficult. This move to me, Chip, says a few things. One is Bill Guerin, and I give him credit for this, is putting immediate pressure on himself and this franchise to win now because you have an opening to get some guys like you. You just freed up $10.3 million of cap space and I think you're up to what, 26 plus million available for the coming season. I mean, that's quite a jump. So you're putting immediate pressure on yourself to win right now, which is great. That's fine. And the other thing though, is Bill Guerin going to be judged by a few things. Like, like when we do the epilogue, right. Or the, or the obituary on his time as the GM here, he's going to be judged by these moves and buyouts because Suter didn't have to be bought out. Although I get Mm -hmm. what he was doing. And Kaprizov, like what happens there? Yes. Um But yeah. he, but he knows what he's doing here. He's got a definite plan, and I do think that the idea to try and and basically put the pressure on young players and say we need you very quickly, like like we're going to need to, you're going to need to play and be good. It's a very emboldened one on his part.
1: Yeah, and I do like the fact that I, I had a conversation with him. I can't remember if it was last year or this year, but. He said, I don't ever want to hear, well, this is how we've always done it, or this is how we used to do it. He said, I don't care. I don't want to hear about the past. I don't want to hear about how you used to do it. We're turning the page. He said, you have to evolve. And I think he recognized that this thing was in a rut. Mm -hmm. And you you can kind of massage it and tweak it to use Craig Leopold's uh, term uh, when he fired Chuck Fletcher, but – that was not going to get it done. And so Billy came in here, I would say unemotional about this organization and unemotional about the attachment, you know, fans had to certain players. Hey, they were great for a long time and they're one of us or whatever. He says, "I do not care. And I'm getting rid of any player or coach that I don't think fits with what I, my vision." And like I said, fans can argue with it, they can gripe about it, they can you know, applaud him or whatever. But he said, Craig Leopold hired me and is paying me money to run this the way I see fit. And I don't care about anything before I got here.
2: And the impressive thing too, is that he clearly convinced Craig to make moves that I'm sure Craig cringed at. I mean, he said they've been talking for eight months. Chip, (laughs) Bill Guerin deserves an award for how this does not leak out to a Darren dragger or Elliot Freeman or Bob McKenzie. Eight months, he's been putting together this sort of plan and running it by Craig. And I'm sure he's to to use Chuck's word again or Craig's word about when Chuck left. I'm sure he tweaked the plan. But think about that for a second. This is cold calculated. And I love it because we need in this town to stop seeing players as. But I got his jersey. I really like him. No. You know what you want?
1: A championship. (laughs) You know how you do that? By ruffling feathers. Judd, how many conversations do you think it took Billy with Craig to get him completely on board with buying out Suter? Oh, I think it took months. A half dozen. I'm saying a half dozen. Chip, what do you stopped. think
2: happened to Craig's jaw the first time that Bill walked in? And, you know, the crazy one you could sort of see coming. But yeah, what do you think, if this really started eight months ago, where do you think Craig's jaw was by the time Bill Guerin got done showing him flow charts of why Ryan Suter should be bought out too?
1: <laughs> think about that. I, I mean, I'm guessing the first one didn't go as well. And then you go back to the second time and it's a little bit better. The third, you know, I'm sure the first one, he probably said, figure out another way. I'm guessing, right? Knowing their relationship and how much he uh, admires and respects and just the history that those two have together. My hunch is the first one probably didn't go well, <laughs> you know? I'm sure um, did. And, and it probably took some convincing with, with Billy just saying, listen, this is the plan. This is, I know it's, Going to be painful and probably unpopular, and it's it's risky because it just is risky. I mean, yeah. there's no doubt about it. I mean, it's risky long term when you start looking at that, the Kaplan implications. Um, but at the end of the day, Craig Leopold hired Billy Aaron because he trusted him to. put a championship team together and so if he's telling you this is how we have to do it then if you're the owner you say okay i hired you to do this so i'm going to sign off on it as painful as it might be for me personally
2: well my guess too is what bill did and and paul fenton clearly because you know he was here just a year didn't have time to do it and chuck did a terrible job was i'm sure bill Garin said look we need to build this team through the draft, right? Through things yeah. like that. I mean, you know, Chuck, when when push came to shove, was trading draft picks like they were candy. Uh, Bill Guerin yeah. had, I believe it was four picks in the first three rounds last year. This year it's going to be five, including uh, two first-round picks. And and rightfully so. I'm sure Bill showed him that the successful teams build their teams. And that doesn't mean that they don't go and trade for Ian Cole or a Nick Benino, but you also don't build your team through huge contracts. And so it actually, what Bill Guerin, I think, probably presented, Craig, ultimately just made more sense as far as if you want to win a Stanley Cup, here's how you're going to win a Stanley Cup.
1: Does it also help that, that, and it's not that, because Chuck made mistakes, obviously, with, with his personnel moves, but when you have a Kaprizov and you have a Fiala and some of these young difference makers, it's probably easier to say, okay, we can build around them. Versus, you know what, we need to get easier, some of these veterans in here, because yep. we don't have a dynamic young talent like they have now.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And Kaprizov, and that's why Kaprizov is the next instrumental domino to fall right because i mean if you Mm -hmm. if he gets a three-year contract from you and you walk him into free agency that's a that's a scary thing i think you need to get at least five years but i i would guess that the the internal debate between or the debate between garen and kaprizov's agent has far more to do with term Because I'm sure that the Wild would pay him. That's not going to be the problem. But the term is going to be the most important thing. And if you do this right and lock him up and get him a center and can build there, this is
1: going to be a very competitive team. Yeah, because if I'm I'm Kaprizov's agent and I look at what he did as a rookie and I'm thinking, okay, if he does this for three more years and better, and then he gets another bite of the apple in three years or four years when he's a superstar potentially, well, that contract's massive. And that's not to say he wouldn't be getting a massive contract now, but yeah, if you're Billy, heck you want to lock him up as long as you <laughs> as many years as you can. Absolutely. Because he's, you know, he's your everything you build around. And so I would think ultimately they meet in the middle somewhere, don't you? Five years.
2: Yes. I I think they'll get five years from him.
1: Yeah, that, that would be my guess. And I mean, how old is he now? Twenty you know, five years. You'll you'll walk you're him up to thirty ish. Which is fine, and you're still in. I would say you, that's still your prime, right. right? I mean,
2: yes. And here, but but Chip, here's the intriguing thing to me, and I think it's how Garen is thinking. And if so, he's exactly right too. You know, Kaprizov's 24, I believe, right now. We are yeah. so so like your window here. Is swung open like this is not a well. He was really good at eighteen, and wait till he's nineteen. This is a grown man who's played professional hockey previously, and so if you do this right, and and especially get him a center and improve that depth right there, I honestly, with no hyperbole, say I don't see why this team can't make a very long playoff run next season.
1: Yeah, I mean you have to, you know, you obviously you have to get the center. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and you're going to have to be able to fill Suter's role adequately, which, you know, he he seems to think they can. And, and you got to get luck, depth, and all that thing. You got to get good goaltending. But, yeah, I mean, you have a superstar on your team. Yes. You know, and so when you have that, I think there's a, a, a pressure and an urgency to maximize that because this is not like, you know, we have a pretty good team and some pretty good players, and, and you know, if we get in there, you, n- you never know what can happen. No, you have a bona fide superstar on your team, and so now you have to build around him to maximize the time you have with him.
2: Speaking of tough decisions and contracts,
1: Ken, Ro- Ken
2: Rosenthal of The Athletic, God bless him, reporting today that the Twins are trying to get Byron Buxton signed to a long-term extension, and if they can't, that they will likely look to trade him. Now, Rosenthal floated the July 30th, Deadline out there. He ain't being traded this month. But I do think that if they feel and he won't sign a long term contract, there is a very good chance that he gets traded uh, during the course of the offseason and the contract that Rosenthal cited as uh, the potential um, comp. And this is where it's going to get dicey and interesting chipper is the deal, the $70 million seven-year deal that the Yankees gave former twin Aaron Hicks in February 2019. Now, the Rosenthal report says it's in excess of that, but 70000000 million-ish, in my opinion, is not going to get this done. No. I've given this a lot of thought, but I'll start with you, okay? What would you do?
1: I have waffled on this more than any... Uh, other contract thing that I can remember like talking about Mm -hmm. when he's playing, I say, give him the moon. (laughs) When he said, how could you dare? (laughs) Um, It it, honestly, I've gone back and forth, Um, but I I do land on this situation and on this spot. Mm -hmm. What are your intention as an organization? Mm -hmm. Are you going to go for it? (laughs) And now, I'm, the same, or are you going to read it? the same question
2: you will someday ask your daughter's fiance? What are your intentions?
0: <laughs> right. I want to know right. your <laughs> damn intentions,
1: Judge. You got to sign him, and, and you have to because he, he's too talented, knowing all his injuries, knowing, um, and it's not so much that. Oh my God, he could go somewhere else and be this great player who's good. Cause I think he's always going to battle injuries. But what are your intentions? Mm-hmm. Do you want to rebuild and just, you know, start over or are you going to try to keep this thing intact? Cause to me, you got to sign Briels. That's a must. Uh, to me, forget the trade stuff. You have to sign Jose Briels. Mm-hmm. And they're going to have to come up on that seven years, 70 million on, on Bucks. now I think, that, I think I, I'm fine with it being incentive laden to where some of these things are easily gettable. Yep. But like a, a big salary, but also uh some incentives that can really take it uh because if he does that you're he's playing a hundred plus games and you're a lot better team with him. So uh, so you don't care what you pay him at that point. But you have to pay him just I mean this is he he's just too good and, and I know the injuries and I know fans say just let him walk because he's always hurt. But you're he's too good a player to just move because you don't want to pay the money
2: i came to this conclusion today and i don't think i'm wrong me you a lot of people have covered a lot of contract stories right a lot lot of unhappy Mm -hmm. guys a lot of guys that want big contracts a lot of things that have been sort of like debatable and that you know that might be tough to to pay I don't think I have or will ever cover one that is as sticky as this one because it has uh-huh. nothing to do with the player as far as effort goes. As far as, I mean, because it's it's ordinarily about there's talent. So, <laughs> yeah, but I mean, you know, like like there was a time, Miguel Sano, just work harder, lose weight, you'll be good. You know, I know you'll be good. Um, that mm-hmm. ship to me has sailed, but that's a perfect example of, a, you're right, talent and effort and dedication and all of those things. Byron Buxton can't be questioned. The man works his ass off. He is phenomenally talented. The God-given ability is off the charts. And, you know, I used to be part of the, as I said on Mackie and Judd earlier today, that don't crash into the wall gang. Um, but that's past now. Now we're talking about he got hit by a pitch in the head against the Reds. Then he got hit three games after coming back from a hip uh, in, with a pitch in the wrist and in the hand. Um what makes this so dicey is you're literally gambling and you're doing it completely blind. That being said, and we talked about this um, with Phil and Dex too. Five years, a hundred million. Yeah, I'm doing it because of this. Uh, and Phil and I talked about this, and it's absolutely true. Part of the problem in this market has been the the PTSD of of Ortiz. Everyone's going to be the next Ortiz. You know, you let Snow go, he's the next Ortiz. You let Kenny Vargas go, you let Arcia go, right? And in most cases, it's simply not true. Byron Buxton could be. Byron Buxton, and I got pushback, but I tweeted this today. Byron Buxton, if he ever can, and it's an if, if he ever can stay healthy, is a Hall of Fame type talent. I'm with you. I don't think you can, I and, and it's it's very, very tough, but I don't think I can, in good conscience, let him walk out the door and say he'll never stay healthy.
1: Yeah. You know, I don't think we'll ever, um, he'll ever reach, reach his true maximum self, because I don't think he's ever, never going to be able to play enough. Um, there's always going to be something. And, and this is not blaming him because a lot of them are unlucky, but it just, it's the facts. He's missed so much time. It's like, you can't count on him. So, I don't think we're ever, and he's. It's not like he's 22. I mean, he's what 27, 28 years old, probably. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't think we're ever going to know like what. There's going to be a, an element of what could have been, no matter what happens the rest of his career. Um, but in saying that, it's like you're trying to, if you're to be believed, you're trying to win now and and build a, a championship team. And are you better without him? Even if, even knowing he's not going to play an ex, you know. a X percentage of games. And so, um, but this is the, 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 I I agree with you, the the messiest contract situation that I've ever covered. Um, And I think the one that probably comes to mind was Adrian's big deal just because of the position injury uh, risk. And you're like, yeah, was that, you know, should you pay running back that much? And he's one hit from being injured. And, but Judd, you can talk yourself in circles on that stuff. I mean, you can just become paralyzed by the unknown and you either just have conviction that this is what we're going to do and we don't have a salary cap and we may have to stretch our budget a little bit, but we're this is what is necessary to uh, show our fans and show ourselves that we're going to be a legitimate team that's going to try to build a championship team. So I would do it. I just, I wouldn't. I would find a way to get it done. The Meadows at Mystic Lake is hosting the 2021 Land of Lakes Legends Classic,
2: August 6th and 7th. See some of the greatest names in the history of women's golf as they compete in the inaugural Land of Lakes Legends Classic presented by the Meadows at Mystic Lake. The legends of the LPGA Tour is known for its fan-friendly environment with lots of opportunities for autographs, limited roping, and photo ops after the rounds. To learn more about the August 6th and 7th event, stop in or visit
0: GolfTheMeadows.com. That's GolfTheMeadows.com owned and operated by the shakopee Minwakinton Sioux Community.
2: And here's the thing I think that makes Buxton so special and such a special case. So, to your point, Peterson, in his prime, no question, Hall of Fame, running back, phenomenal talent. But he did one thing really well. That was it. Buxton is that rare human being who, in his own sport, can, when he's playing, dominate at multiple levels. Um, Mm -hmm. he he is, he is, I think, uh, when healthy and able to play beyond a shadow shadow of a doubt, the best center fielder in the game today. Um, his speed will decline, but it has not yet. So he is a nightmare. Like if he grounds to short, he's a nightmare, which how many guys are nightmares when they hit a routine ground ball? He is, um, Mm -hmm. the, the way that he found himself in what the 27 games that he's played this season in which he was hitting 369 uh it's finally the eureka moment of this guy is dominating at the plate as well he had 10 home runs so that's the thing to me you know if he did w- if he only did one thing really well i'd be like i'm probably not going to chance this but yeah the temptation here of a guy that can do almost everything you ask him to do at the level that he now can oh boy that's special
1: yeah it, yeah you're right i mean we we we've seen how much he impacts a game in a number of ways. And now you add the hitting component to it. And I understand. I mean, I know some fans are like just completely done with them. There's no way I would, you know, they would pay him that kind of money. And I, and I get that argument. I mean, this is not a, like I said, this is not clear cut. It's easy for us to talk about it. It'd it'd be tough to be in the shoes of the person that has to actually write the contract. Mm -hmm. Um, but this is up for it. (laughs) I decided for that job. And so, um, I just think, and from everything you hear, Judd, that, that they want to keep the core intact. And we're not talking about um, Nelson Cruz or Simmons. I mean, those guys. But if you're going to keep the core intact because you think that this is a one-off or whatever season, then if you don't figure out a way to resign him and you don't figure out a way to resign Jose Barrios, then you are signaling to your fan base that you're starting over with a rebuild.
2: You're exactly right. Um, all right. From from Bill Guerin, who clearly has big cojones, to another guy across town, Target Center, Trader Gerson Rosas. Let me, yeah. <laughs> Mackie, incredibly excited by the prospect of this, so I will w- run it past you. And, yes, it is reckless speculation, but it's still fun. It sounds like, according to reports today, no surprise, Dame Lillard wants out of Portland. He wants to be traded. Mm-hmm. It also sounds like the Philadelphia 76ers, like a lot of teams, would love to get him. I don't see any way, and we've discussed this for a couple weeks now, that Ben Simmons stays put in Philadelphia. I think they have to move him. Um, according to what Doogie told us from his his sources, and hes I'm sure he's right, you know, a straight Sixers-Wolves trade probably doesn't send enough back to Philadelphia for them to trade mm-hmm. Ben Simmons to Minnesota. But that being said, what do you think about a multi-team trade? Let's say it gets up to four teams involving the Wolves, the Sixers, and Portland as starters, Dame going to uh, going from Portland to Philadelphia, Simmons going from Philadelphia to Minnesota, and Portland would be sort of signaling, regardless of that, a potential reboot. And so m- maybe some of the parts that don't intrigue Philadelphia from the Wolves the younger parts would intrigue the Portland trailblazers.
1: And I don't think there's any, there's no way you could pull that off without including uh DLO. Right.
2: I don't think so. I think you're right.
1: I mean, I know, I know people are thinking or hoping that you could do that without including Russell. I just, I don't see how it would work, but um, I, there I'm about 85% there, right? The, uh, that's with, good, with, Chip. With, or maybe a little less, but but oh, not, sir, the the shooting, jet, I just can't. I can't get all the way there without knowing yeah. how you how you think you can fix the shooting. Um, I agree. It's it's just now. I love the defense. Obviously, he automatically makes you a much better defensive team, and maybe that makes the other guys around him. Um. Maybe the peer pressure of hey, this guy plays good defense. Maybe I'll try and play good defense. Um, you know, the rebound and the playmaking and all the things that he he gives you. But the shooting, Judd. I mean I, I agree completely. I'm just saying it's an
2: interesting thought process. I guess where I've I said the exact same thing to Mackie when we started talking about this, and where I've come around a little bit to Phil's point though, is the shooting is a problem. But the defense is so good. And do you think yeah. that this, and do you think Chris Finch's system and guys like Cat and Delo and Ant, I guess, as well, do you think that they're going to improve or make the commitment defensively as much as they need to, where the Simmons component would give you a, an elite defender that would change you on that side of the
1: floor? That's where. No, with that. Yeah, without him, I would say no. Now they might be marginally better yeah. without him. Because you have Finch's system, and, and maybe he can show him something. But I, I mean, realistically, are they going to make a dramatic jump defensively? No. But if you had Simmons to him, now all of a sudden, you are going to make a dramatic jump defensively. And the one thing I will say is I don't know that you could fix his shooting to the degree that you feel like he's a, a good shooter. But all we've heard is Finch is an offensive genius. And so maybe – he can construct a way that you can use him differently that mitigates the shooting. And I don't know what that would be. Um yeah, called
2: the don't shoot.
1: Yeah, don't don't shoot. But that's him, the but,
2: problem with uh the But where you use him,
1: whether it's on the Yeah, but whether you, you know whether you put him on the block or the yeah. way he facilitates or or whatever. Some you know, come up with some way, you know, creative way where you can mitigate having him on the perimeter where you're playing four and five and they just sag off cause he won't shoot. I mean, that's, that's no good, right? That's not going to work. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so I, you know, maybe you trust that Finch could figure out a way to, you know, put him in a position that maximizes strengths and, and not hides his weaknesses, but, you know, lowers them a little bit, but, but the trade off, I mean, Judd, we've talked ad nauseum for years about this team is never going to be relevant and be taken seriously until they learn to play defense. And he would offensively, they got a lot of scores. They got a lot of guys right. that can score. They've got to play defense. And so that alone, um, I think that's why I'm probably 85%. Um, just live with the 15% of bad shooting.
2: And they've got to be, well, I mean, I shouldn't say got to, because it, that's too strong when it comes to the Timberwolves franchise. One would hope that they would be ultra competitive here at some point soon, because I'll just keep going back to in this Market where, like, the Wild has definitely made inroads. The Twins had appeared to until now, and that's a disappointment, but the Vikings are big. Um, I just can't believe as as A-Rod and Lori at least get involved with the ownership group and eventually, I hope, for their sake, uh, start to take over, that, you know, that you can just sit here sort of spinning your wheels and being like, it'll eventually, at some point in time, you have to take that step where, you know, there's probably going to be what ten teams again in the postseason tournament next season. It's yeah. go time there. It's time to get involved in that stuff.
1: Well, and it's go time for for this regime and cat too. I mean, I feel yeah. like regardless with Simmons or not, like this is a this feels like a pivot point season for them. It's like they have to show signs that this is going somewhere, you know. And so, or else cat's going to get to a point where. He says, "You know what? This is this is hopeless. I, I, I want to go somewhere else." And he starts hearing from other players, like, "Hey, come here and do this." Yep. If you can make a, a move like Simmons and it does work, and you, I get like I said, I don't think you can do it and keep Russell. Yep. But but if you can pair Cat with Simmons and Ant and you know you still I don't know if you still have Beasley, but if you had those three and Cat feels like, oh, okay. You know, you're adding a, what do we call him, Simmons? I would call him a superstar, but a star? I get, you know, he's um, mm-hmm. a player with his stature. Mm-hmm. Now, all of a sudden, and you start winning, I, I, you know, it, the outlook looks different. And I think there was some optimism by the way they finished last year and all this, but this year absolutely has to be a transition year for them where they start showing that this thing's going somewhere.
2: Yes, and, and it's also a huge year as far as the career, just overall perception, too, uh, for Cat. Because, like, if yes. if Cat's going to be, we, we keep acting like he's the centerpiece guy. And, I mean, he's got a unique skill set that's fantastic. But if he's really going to be that guy, it has to happen now. Like, we're past the point of he's not young. He's got talent around him. Like, there's an enough is enough of excuses. It is time for him yeah. to assert himself as, as, if nothing else, a dominant player. Because I think I think Ant is the dominant personality, which I'm fine with. But a do, as if you're going to be the dominant player, now you've got to be the dominant player.
1: And, and that's the thing. I mean, it's clear that that Cat wants to be seen as one of the top players, and I mean, he wants to be on a certain uh, pedestal and viewed as yes. along with these stars. Well, it's great that all this, you know, his versatility and all the things he can do. But you got to win. I mean, that's the, that's the the missing component right now. I mean, yes, you can shoot threes and you're, you know, the things you do offensively are, you know, incredible, but you gotta be better defensively, but ultimately you gotta win. If you want to be viewed in that same light as some of the, you know, the best players you have to win.
2: Vikings training camp opens. I believe they report a week from this coming Tuesday and start practice a week from then. Uh the 28th. Already? Yes, 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 Mr. Former Vikings Access teammate. Oh. Training camp is around the corner. What? One, I haven't been this excited for the start of camp, I kid you not, in years. Because the Twins are bad. I actually think the Vikings should be really good. I Like, I've convinced myself that it's going to be a train wreck if they're not, or a huge disappointment, I should say. What right now, as we sit here nearing the time to report in Egan? What intrigues you
1: the most? Uh, defense. Everything about the defense. Because I, I think the offense, um, it, Judd, it's going to be a good offense. I mean, the the line, I think is going to be better. It can't be worse. Jefferson in year two, Cook, uh, the whole thing. I, I think the offense is going to be good. Um, it's just, did the changes that they made on defense, which on paper look good. I mean, it looks Like it should be dramatically better, Mm -hmm. um, but how much better? And obviously, you know, getting Hunter and Barr and Kendricks back healthy, and I mean, that's you're going to be better just by that. But um, is this a top 10 defense, top five defense, top what? And so I'm I'm just curious to see how all these new faces and pieces look. But I agree with you, Judd. I think on paper, at least. It looks like a good team. I mean, it, it just looks like um, a talented team with with has m- far more depth than they had last year. Absolutely. Uh, and so that was a they got exposed in that area last year, and I, I think um, this this at a minimum should be a playoff team to me. I'm sorry, it just when you look at the 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 skill on offense and the 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 changes they made on defense, that should be the focus going in. Like, this is not, oh, let's just see how good this team should be. No, you should go in with, with some expectations.
2: In this con—in this conference, they should make a playoff run, in my opinion. It's tough, but it's not great.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, we don't know what Rodgers' situation is going to be, yep. although you know, I have no, I can, I can see that going any direction. Um, I mean, there's good teams, but I, I don't think there's one
2: team that you look at and say, You ain't getting past them. I mean, the Vikings, there's no reason why the Vikings can't pop up like San Francisco did a couple years ago where I think we thought they'd be good but not that good. Why can't the Vikings be that team?
1: I still have – well, I still have some uh, unknowns or concerns, whatever you want to call it, with the offensive line. Sure. Okay, I think it will be better. But if you're starting two rookies on the offensive line, you know what – what's reasonable expectations there. I think it will be better, but I don't think that all of a sudden you have, you know, a top five offensive line in the league either. So I still have some concerns about that. And as good as these, or as smart as these uh, newcomers in the off season moves they made on defense, they still have to prove it. You know, we have to see what Patrick Peterson is. Sure. But those are the guys that they're banking on. Yeah, and maybe he has a bounce back year, and I, you know, I think he's better than what they had last year. Yep. You know, but um, we're in our mind, I think we're banking on best case scenario on everything that we've seen happen, and how many times does best case scenario play out? But in saying that, but in saying that, I still think the moves they made and getting the guys back and everything they've done, this still should be a team that with the expectations of you have got to be a playoff team. So
2: I'm not necessarily thinking best case; I'm thinking pressure. Garrett Bradbury better be yeah. damn good. If Garrett Bradbury's not damn good, he's a complete bust. And that's a huge problem. He's yeah. a first round pick. Yeah. Kirk Cousins, for the most part, excuses are removed. The offensive line's been improved. It might not be great, but guess what? I don't want to see, I don't want to see more than about three quarterback sacks that were your fault. Like, you know, don't be mm-hmm. accidentally being sacked. Um, I'm, yeah. the pass protection, there's a lot of teams in this league that don't have great lines. Uh, now the Vikings yep. had, you know, when Dakota Dozier is starting, I'm all due respect to him as a guy, I'm sure he's a great human being, it's a joke. So, like that should be improved. Defensively, you went out and got guys. So they better be good. Like, like if they don't bounce mm-hmm. back, if Pat P is cooked, that's your fault. You signed him. So yeah. I, I just think the amount of pressure from opening day training camp is absolutely tremendous because the Wilfs should expect a lot. Um, and I I believe this. I'll say this right now. If this team makes the playoffs, wins a playoff game and gets eliminated like they did by San Francisco two years back, I think we see a coaching change. Um, (laughs) Because what you can't afford, what you can't have is, now if they have injuries and something weird happens, that might be different. But they got their ass handed to them by San Francisco. There is no team in this conference that you should accept handing your ass to you in a playoff game like that. That was embarrassing, and I sort of gave them a pass back then. They ain't getting that pass this season from me.
1: And that's been the hard part about this, Judd, is, is you know, the, the times that they have gotten in to playoffs under Zim, the way it ended has been so spectacularly bad. Yep, it, it totally changes your outlook about where it's going and what you're building to. I mean, it's one thing if you get into the wild card or NFC Championship and you, and you lose a hard-fought game that's competitive and you just lose, and you're like, you know what? Man, they are close. The Seahawks when game. In fifteen, yeah. yes, yeah, perfect yeah. example. But when you get wiped off the field and it's not competitive, yep. Then you're thinking, God, how are they really that close at all? Yep. You know, and it's, you know, I walked out of the Philadelphia Stadium that night, and I walked out of the San Francisco Stadium that day, saying the same thing. I remember walking out, and I was like, they're not close at all. Yep. Like when you look at how how bad they were along both lines. And so I agree with you. Now, unless there's just some crazy circumstances where you lose a bunch of guys, mm-hmm. the, you know. But if you don't. If you're not competitive in, in a playoff game, it, it it definitely changes the way you think how the season really went.
2: And I will say this. If you get wiped off the face of the earth in the AFC title game by Kansas City, you're not happy, but it's Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. But you name yeah. you name me the team in this conference right now that you would say, yeah, I'm not surprised by that. I mean, I don't care if it's Tom Brady. Yeah. I don't care – um I don't care if it's the Packers and Rodgers is playing for him. This team, this Vikings team, should hold up against anybody in its conference.
1: Yeah, you're right. I mean, because this, you know, if you run into Mahomes and that offense and you, yeah, they it's a track meet. Well, okay. Um but no, you're right. I mean, is is Tampa gonna recapture what they had last year? You know? Uh we'll see, you know, but I don't think yeah, I don't think there's one team where you're like, Oh boy.
2: Well and you that beat- would be. And don't forget, Chipper, you beat Tampa too. If your bleeping kicker can make a kick,
1: yeah, yeah. And it, there's a lot They Make of, the playoffs yeah. then, yeah. Um, so I agree. I mean, I, I have. And, and you know what, Judd, being out there, I was out there one or two days during minicamp. Don't you sort of get the sense and that they they feel that too? Yes.
2: Yep. It, they you know, know. They know they're good, and they've got enough veteran players now. And confidence that there that there is, uh, I don't want to say I felt an arrogance because I didn't, but I definitely felt an air of confidence that I didn't feel last year.
1: Well, I yeah I yeah it felt like there was a, uh, you know, last year was just such a disaster defensively with all the guys that they're playing and young guys, and now you had guys with some pedigree and resumes and get guys back, Hunter and Barr. <clears throat> Those guys are like. Almost exhale and okay, "Okay, we're good now. Right. Like we have, we actually have a fighting chance now. You know, we we should be good and and but I I think internally, I don't know if they'll ever Zimmer or Spielman will come out and say us, I doubt it, but they know this is a make or break year. Oh yeah, this operation
2: for Mike. I think it definitely is. I don't know about for Rick, but I think for Mike, it one hundred percent is.
1: And for Kirk, yeah, because for Kirk too,
2: it's a huge year for, for Kirk, Kirk.
1: Yeah, yeah, and and so I think that. You know, in the past they, I don't know that they they necessarily have always handled those situations. that kind of pressure in the best way, but um but I do think that there is a internal sense of okay, we got some guys now that that have a proven track record in this league, and we're not relying on a bunch of rookies at corner and guys that probably should be on the practice squad starting games i mean they started guys last year that should not be on the active roster probably probably should be practice squad guys yep and and so i think they feel like they just have more ammunition now they to do to to you know to battle and so uh so i yeah it's it's gonna be fun i mean I, i'm i'm excited for camp and kind of see how this thing comes together all right chips Scoggins, i will talk to you next week have a great weekend sir all right you too, brother we'll see
2: you. all right you take care